0: bring you greetings this morning in the precious name of Jesus and bring you greetings from Emmanuel Brotherhood Church. Um, it's been a joy to be here already and to consider the faithfulness of brothers and sisters in this part of the uh, this corner, this corner of the world. And um, I'm very blessed by that. I'm very blessed by you here this morning. It's been a little while since I came, and it seems like distance has perhaps made a difference there, since we live three hours north, but um, I'm not sure if that's a good enough excuse. we were very blessed with having the Oasis youth come and join join us for a a weekend here a couple months back, and uh, we had a few of them in our home, and I believe it was... uh, um Sarah Horst, maybe uh that was there were talking with me a little bit and uh, I, I mentioned that i don 't think i've been down here to this congregation since we moved, and that's that's five and a half years or so and she let us know that that is really bad so <laughs> and so uh said, okay, well, you say something to your dad and we'll we we'll, <laughs> we'll s- We'll consider. <clears throat> I'd like if you'd turn with me to uh, the book of Zechariah for a for a uh, a title and a start here. I have something to share that I shared a number of weeks ago at our congregation, so some of you may have heard it before. <clears> There's <throat> a lot of a lot of things we could think about. Um, one of the one of the things we were recently challenged with by Brother Sylvan Pate in our congregation, and he he just brought it to us, I think, on a Wednesday night, that in light of the uh, the, the Haiti captives and that, and that God allowed them to go free again, he just mentioned, you know, we prayed for them for eight weeks every day. He thinks we ought to thank God for eight weeks. Every day, (laughs) and I thought that was a good challenge. So let's do stand and uh, thank God now. As Father in Heaven, again, we thank you for letting those captives go free in Haiti that we were earnestly praying for, uniting our hearts together as a greater um, Christian community across the world. And uh, Lord, we thank you for, I believe, the good things that you have worked in in our lives through this experience and the faith that we have heard about, different ones having expressed and seeing you through it all. Lord, sometimes perhaps our faith did falter and we wondered what is the meaning of all this. But Lord, we trust you through it all. We thank you for having answered our prayers and help us to even grow in our faith. Thank you for this congregation here. Oasis Christian Fellowship, Lord, and we pray that you would bless them and our congregation back home and Christians around the world, that you would bless us while we continue to seek your face and to follow your will and to bless your holy name. Yes, thank you for all you have done for us in Jesus' precious name. We ask now that you would speak through the word, speak through our lips, Lord, and may your word and your um, burdens come forth, Before we pray it in Jesus' precious name, amen. You can be seated. I'm going to read here first six verses in Zechariah chapter 1 to get our title. It says, in the eighth month... In the second year of Darius came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Ido the prophet, saying, The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. Therefore say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Be ye not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear, nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants the prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? And they returned and said, like as the Lord of hosts, hosts thought to do unto us, according to our ways and according to our doings, so hath he dealt with us. The uh, the verse I'd like to uh, claim for a title this morning is verse five, <clears throat> where it says, "Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever?" So a little bit of an outline I have this morning. the uh, The first part is is on the. Uh, I guess you could say it's, it's sort of in three parts here this morning. The first part is on the brevity of life. And the, uh, the second part is an, uh, an appeal, especially to fathers, but I think there's something in it for all of us. And then the last part is uh, on uh, the thought of faithfulness. So, your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? I was thinking about this um, subject a bit and I thought back a little bit to to my childhood when I was the age of the uh, children that came up front here to children's lesson. Still remember a few things from back then. And uh, I think there's probably a few here that can relate if I just... Uh, say a few names and places here. Our family went to the um, Springville Mennonite Church in those days. And there was four in the ministry that had a uh, charge in the congregation there. It would have been... uh, Ministers would have been Henry Martin and Lester Souter, And there was a deacon named Clarence Martin... And then there was the uh, bishop for the uh, four-congregation district, and his name was uh, Luke Good. And I was just thinking back as I thought of the brevity of life and your fathers, where are they, and the prophets, do they live forever? And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that all four of those men are no longer with us. Understandably, that's been a number of years ago. And I also thought, thought further, and thought of the history of our lives a little bit. And oh, it was perhaps about after my wife and I were married about five years or so, we had uh, sought fellowship at the uh, the Charity Christian Fellowship congregation and attended there for I think about two and a half years. And the uh, I was thinking back to the. Uh, the two leaders that had especially been influential in starting the congregation there and were influential at that time, and that would have been uh, brothers Denny Keniston and Mose Stolzfus. And I um, thought about it here that as we, uh, in the last year or so now, we can say that both of those men are, also have gone to their rewards. And the thought came to me, your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? And I also fast forward a little bit for our congregation there. It might have meant more to our congregation, but I'll mention it here as well. It was about eight years ago that Leonard and I had uh, took the trip up to Bradford County and visited the Emmanuel Brotherhood Church and our families and after the service they um asked us to join them in a brothers meeting and there was i think five brothers present from there the oldest of which was steve kaufman and the uh, they uh he was he was one of the, he sort of led out in the in, in the discussion and he said that they'd like to ask for for help, and they were appealing to the Harmony congregation for help, and they were asking for perhaps some families to move up, and so anyway, we said that we'll talk about it, take it to our brothers' meetings, and uh, in time that uh, a plan was developed to take a few years of time, get to learn to know each other before we just um, jump into something, and Two years rolled by or so, and the interesting thing was um in the in the process of those two years, both Steve and his wife had both uh went home to their rewards <clears throat> and so the uh the church did eventually respond to his request, but he didn't see it in his lifetime <clears throat> so So we wonder, the fathers, your fathers, where are they, and the prophets, do they live forever? So we're thankful for, thankful for, um, the gift of life, and we think of the uh, young children that are here, and it's probably a little harder to, to consider the brevity of life, as a younger one. There's probably a lot of uh, children here that just can't wait for their next birthday. Is that right, children? Are you just looking forward to your next birthday or when you get a little older, can do more things? That's something that has changed a bit for me, Uh, a birthday is almost like another day for me. (laughs) So, although there is things we do look forward to, for sure. I'd like to consider the brevity of life here a little bit, and just consider some of the examples we have from Scripture. I I uh, have a section in the back in my Thompson chain I'm going to refer to here for that. And a few verses. I'd like to just consider a number of things it's compared to, about a half a dozen or so. One thing life is compared to, and considering the brevity of life and how short it is, it's considered to a shadow. Here in Chronicles 29.15 it says, We are strangers before the end, sojourners. We were all, as were all our fathers, our days on earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. So our days are like a shadow. Shadow comes, a shadow goes. Sunny day, maybe today, I'm not sure if it's sunny enough, but you go out on a sunny day and there's a shadow, you make a shadow, but no more and a cloud comes across. And the shadow disappears. You don't really see your shadow anymore. Or in the evening, the shadows grow longer, but then they eventually uh, vanish into darkness. So the shadows are here for a short time. Here's another one. The Flying Weaver's Shuttle says, My days are swifter then a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. This was Job saying these words. Now, some of you may have seen a weaver working at an old-fashioned loom. You're just curious. Is, is there anybody that has done done that or maybe seen it done? Seen a, a loom in progress? I see a few hands. They have this this little wooden shuttle that they, uh, that they throw back and forth and then push a lever, pull a lever and keep weaving the threads back and forth but they always have to throw that shuttle back and forth and a, a weaver that's good at it can start throwing that thing back and forth pretty fast and so it, it, it's moving. Moving swiftly back and forth. First one, one way, then the other way, then back again. And here, Job says his days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Gives the idea that it's going fast. Here's another one from Job. Now are my days swifter than a post. They flee away and they see no good. Maybe maybe some of you... Younger ones would wonder what's swift about a post? Well, think about it this way: think about a postman. a postman brings a mail, right, and I think our mailman is usually in a hurry i 'm not sure if that 's how it is around here, but they they got a long route, and they they keep moving. I had to think of in the Bible times, messages were delivered by uh, riders on horseback or runners and they would sometimes hurry swiftly to get their message delivered. We're in a little bit different age now where we have electronic and telephone communications and uh, messages can get sent across the world rather quickly. But it did not used to be that way. In fact, I thought about in this country, I think it was in the year 1860. In April 3rd, 1860, they opened up the Pony Express, which delivered mail from Missouri to California, and their goal was to deliver it faster than the traditional stagecoach route. And so they could deliver mail in nine days where it normally took about twice that long. And it was a system where a rider would jump on a back of a horse with a pack of mail, would run as fast as they could on that horse. The horse would run as fast as it could for 10, 12 miles or so to the next station. At the next station, they would... Um, transfer the mail to a fresh horse, the rider would jump on the next horseback, and they would keep on going, mile after mile. That operated for a year and a half until the telegraph invention voided the need for it, and the, uh, the owners of the Pony Express suffered a great financial loss. <clears throat> but the idea is that our days are swifter than a post. Very quickly they pass away. Here's another one and handbreadth psalms thirty nine five says, Behold thou hast made my days as an handbreadth and mine age as nothing before thee' Rarely, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. We think of a, a hand breadth. It's just five, six inches wide, maybe. It's, it's not very big. It's short. Not very, uh, not very significant. In fact, it says, mine ages is nothing before thee. Then here's another one from Isaiah thirty eight twelve. It says, Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. It actually has two in this verse. It says, I have cut off like a weaver in my life. He will cut me off with pining sickness from day even to night. Wilt thou make an end of me? So I believe that's referring the second one, I think is referring to the weaver cutting off his material perhaps when he's finished with his rug that he's making. But uh, I especially want to consider the the shepherd's tent. I believe that the shepherds lived in tents and they moved with their flocks. And so when you moved your animals to fresh pasture, it was time to, to move the tent as well. So the tent... Yeah, probably wouldn't stay at one place very long. And that also reminds me that um, we are to be like Abraham and the other patriarchs were considered strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Our time is short, isn't it? Strangers and pilgrims on the earth seeking a better country Seeking a place that has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. I do have one more on the brevity of life. <clears throat> there's a number of verses, but there's one here from Peter that says, All flesh is as grass. All the glory of man is the flower of grass, the glower I'm sorry, the grass withereth and the flower thereof Falleth away. You know how it is when you mow grass, when you mow hay or you mow your yard. And in the morning and the hot sun comes out and soon after it's disconnected, it'll be just dried up and withered. And that's a little bit how our life is. I did believe I found another one here as well. From James it says that our life is like a vapor. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Well, back in the kitchen you know how it is when you boil the water and steam rises up and it gets about so high off the kettle and then then, where does it go? Children tell me where the steam goes. It just sort of becomes part of the rest of the air, doesn't it? It, it vanishes. You don't see it anymore. So life is brief. How shall we then live? I'd like for all of us, and especially maybe children and youth, let's just say all of us to consider how short life is and we're going to turn the attention a little bit to those of us as fathers, also the fathers where are they and the prophets do they live forever, how long is our opportunity here Your fathers, where are they? We could ask ourselves that question this morning. Those of us as fathers here this morning, the, uh, our children's father, where is he? <laughs> are we alive? Are we awake? Are we with it? <clears throat> so that's a, an, another way to look at that verse this morning. Challenge our hearts a bit. Where are we? And are we using the opportunity that God has given us today? I trust we are. I, I, I'm impressed with the faithfulness I see here. I'd like to consider this morning a little bit what we should be like as godly fathers. I have, I have a seven points in this section here. You turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6 for our first one. Deuteronomy chapter 6, a father ought to be a teacher of God's word. A teacher of God's word. Reading a few verses here, I think I'll start in verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest in the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. I think I'll stop there. I did want to mention here that I don't want to just speak to the fathers. I believe mothers have a role in this as well <clears throat> in in uh, supporting the godly vision that the fathers have. Mothers in the home. Then I also thought, especially a very... Youth here this morning, um, aspiring young men and women. God bless you this morning. It's a good time to have uh, high visions and ideals for what God will do in your lives as well, both now and in the future. So, fathers and mothers, These words, are they in the words of God? The word of God, is it in our heart? And can we convey that to those those that we seek to influence, our children and our spiritual children? These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And here, verse 7, it talked about that we should teach them to our children. Yes, our natural children for sure, but also our spiritual children. And talk to them when we sit in the house, when we walk in the way, when we lie down, when we rise up. Is there any time that, that we have off here <clears throat> from this responsibility? Sitting in the house, walking by the way, lying down, rising up. I I think that might about cover everything. This is a full-time job, being a teacher of God's Word. Loving the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. That is very inclusive as well, isn't it? We don't have, we don't have time off of that <clears throat> wholehearted, wholehearted love, wholehearted following, wholehearted teaching. I'm going to move on to the second one. You can turn with me to Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs chapter 4, a father seeks to impart wisdom to his children and to those he influences. A father seeks to impart wisdom. We're going to read here Proverbs chapter 4, maybe starting with the first 13 or so. Here it says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father. And attend to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved, in the sight of my mother now this this here, just pausing here a little bit, this here might be a little hard for our youngest children to understand, but I'm sure that you as parents. Um, Teach your children. It wasn't that long ago that we were daddy's little boy, right? Even though, if we're the dad now, we tell our children, you know, I used to be daddy's little boy. I used to be maybe you say grandpa. I used to be grandpa's little boy. I used to be grandma's little little boy. They taught me some things that I still remember. I want to pass them on to you. That's that's the idea here. I want to pass them on to you. He taught me also, verse four, and said unto me, "This is what this is what Grandpa taught me. <clears throat> Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live." I'm not sure exactly how many verses um, go with go with that thought that this is what grandpa taught taught me but perhaps we could say till till the end of verse 6 get wisdom get understanding forget it not neither decline from the words of my mouth forsake her not and she shall preserve thee love her and she shall keep thee so the things the principles that we teach our children Many times, if, if we had uh, um, a godly father, we learn some of those things from, from before. <clears throat> we could also apply it to a spiritual father. I think of Timothy in the Bible. He had, a, he had a Apostle Paul as his spiritual father. So uh, I want it to be all-inclusive here this morning. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, and a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O oh my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straitened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction, Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. A father seeks to impart wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. My next point, number three, is that a father warns his children. A father warns his children. We could say a father gives some boundaries and draws some lines. And for that, we'll continue reading a few verses further. Here he says, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not into the way of evil men. Avoid it, Pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause someone to fall. A father warns his children of evil men. He warns them of the influence of those that are up to no good. He sets up some boundaries. He establishes some cautions of where it is not good to go. And he warns that you can't necessarily run with the crowd. You need to be strong and uh, stand up for what's right. You need to just stay out of the way of those that are up to evil. Avoid it. pass not by it. turn from it and pass away. Totally shun the evil way. My mind went back to uh, my uh, early childhood and the uh, the understanding we had growing up in our home that we were better off not to have the television because there's more more uh evil on there than what is than what is worthwhile trying to sort through it's just not a good influence in our home you know today i greatly appreciate that heritage <clears throat> i'm really thankful for that and even today the uh I'm at a place where there's a television turned on. I find it very distracting. I find it very hard to uh, think of anything else other than what's going on in that television screen. So I think it was a good, good thing of our parents to uh, to have that discernment and and uh, understanding that that is something we do not want. <coughs> Today we are in a day where there's many more um, avenues and concerns in the line of technology. I believe it is still good to listen to the cautions, cautions and warnings of those who have gone before us and spiritual fathers today. The things we accept, are they for our spiritual benefit? Let's also turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We consider, as we mentioned earlier, Apostle Paul was as a spiritual father to Timothy. He was also a spiritual father to many others and in a sense to us as well as he has written us these scriptures. A father warns his children and verse 14, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14. He says these words, I write not these things to shame you, but as beloved sons I warn you. Apostle Paul, he warned those that he loved. He gave them the warnings of, of uh, not being so soon turned away. <clears throat> verse 21 of the same chapter, he asks him this question. He says, what will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? Now, I I didn't bring any rod this morning. I'm not here to correct anything that I know of. But I think the... the situation here in the Corinthian church was that they did need they did need some things corrected, and he was addressing issues in this book. If we take a closer look at it, I think all of us would probably appreciate the uh, the latter option when a father comes to us in love and in the spirit of meekness. But there's also that time when the rod is needed. <clears throat> While we're here in this chapter, I'd also like to look at verse 15. Right after that verse where he says that he's not writing to shame them, but he's warning them. He says these words, he says, "...for though ye have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus have I begotten you through the gospel." You have ten thousand instructors in Christ. What is the difference between an instructor and a father? I think that's a question worthy of some pondering. Any of the brothers want to just tell me what what they what comes to their mind? Didn't give you any heads up on that. Go ahead. Yes. So you think of more of a, a longer-term commitment? Perhaps he, he's there all the time. <clears throat> he's there for him. That's a little bit the idea I got with... with uh, I did a little bit of a, a word study on that word instructor. And <clears throat> it, it, sort of, it sort of carries the idea of maybe a teacher... And I think there is good teachers that carry a burden. Uh, Don't get me wrong there. But there's also, um, it also has the uh, idea that it could be translated as a caregiver perhaps or a a babysitter. And so let's just think of a babysitter for now. The babysitter's job is done when when the, the parents come back. The children go home, and they uh, they give the children back to to uh, to those that are caring for them. <clears throat> Their job is temporary; it's it, it's soon done. A father's job doesn't get done. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not over with. In fact, I think a father's job is only done when God calls him home. A father, a godly father, carries the burden of his children wherever he goes. Recently, I uh, I witnessed a father being willing to uh, travel through the night and lose most of his night's rest to help a child. That was in need. Very, very touching thing. I also thought of the fact that there's so many voices in this world. There's so many influences, so many ideas being perpetuated all over the place. It says you have ten thousand instructors. There's all kinds of ideas, but you have not many fathers. <clears throat> My next point, a father sets the example in following Christ and urges others to follow. And for that one, I'll just take the next verse here in this passage we're at, verse 16, where Paul says, Wherefore I beseech you, be followers of me. Apostle Paul was able to say that Another place he says, "Follow me as I follow Christ." I appreciate, I appreciate when a father sets the example in the home, and when the uh, when you see the uh, of godliness, and when the you see the children following after. There's a very heartwarming children's book that touches my heart when I see it and read it put out by Christian Light, and probably most of you have have it in your homes, I'm not sure, but um, it's called Just Like Daddy, written by Helga Moser. <clears throat> and the little boy, he just wants to grow up to be just like Daddy. <clears throat> so I, I, I'm touched when I consider... When I see that in real life as well. and see, see it in your homes and your, your young children. You see a, a parent-child relationship. <clears throat> follow me as I follow Christ. <clears throat> I appreciate seeing consistency in families where children willingly pick up the cross and follow in the faith of their parents. I appreciate seeing consistency in dress and practical areas where uh, parents set a godly example and the children follow. Why should it be that godly principles so often drift away one generation at a time or faster? Follow me as I follow Christ. It's Apostle Paul's appeal here. My next point. A father is humble. <clears throat> willing to acknowledge where he made a wrong move and apologize when he did wrong. Humble about our mistakes and our shortcomings, our wrongdoings. And I believe a father points the children to a heavenly father who is perfect never makes a mistake our heavenly father is completely perfect we can trust him I appreciated what brother John brought out even if God would have allowed our prayers to be answered differently and uh, there would have been some martyrdom going on in Haiti there God is still right right God is still good. God is still faithful. Even if we don't understand. He never makes mistakes. A father, an earthly father, must be humble. Because we do. We do make mistakes. Humble ourselves, it says, in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. All right, for, my, for our next one, you can turn to First Thessalonians. <clears throat> my next point is my sixth point is a father loves his children and is gentle. A father loves his children and is gentle. First of all, let's consider that God is our perfect example and that God is love. God is love. Well known truth. Let's not forget it. For God so loved the world. For God so loved us. For God so loved us. We love our children as well, fathers and mothers. We love our children. Apostle Paul says here in chapter 2 and verses 7 and 8, he says, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. We were gentle among you, as a nurse cherisheth her children. I believe the, the, uh, the picture might be here of a, a nursing mother. I always appreciated when my uh, wife um, tenderly took care of the little ones. A father and a mother, their children are dear to their hearts. Verse 8, I don't think I read this yet. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Here again is a little bit the idea of the difference between an instructor and a father. The instructor perhaps would impart the gospel of God only. That would be his job, perhaps. But like Apostle Paul said, he didn't just do that. He said he imparted also his own soul. (laughs) He gave them his own soul because you were dear to us. A father has his children as dear to his heart. Also, verse 11 and 12. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Just like a father does his children. That's how Apostle Paul was a spiritual father. Exhorted, comforted, and he charged that you would walk worthy of God who hath called us unto his kingdom and glory. Calls us to faithfulness. He charges he gave his charges, and he, he exhorted, but he also did it with comfort. Think of the love that was attached there i'm blessed when i when I see a young daddy holding a little child and spending time with them. It warms our hearts. Young mothers too. It's important. You're laying a foundation. Don't forget that time goes fast. Your opportunity is actually short. Make use of that time and value it. It warms our hearts. Spending time in their growing up years and cultivating that relationship. A father loves his children and is gentle. <clears throat> Moving on to our seventh point for, for fathers here. And that is found in Hebrews chapter 12. A father disciplines his children. A father disciplines his children. The book of Proverbs makes it very clear that you withhold the rod, you're actually hating your son. But if you use the rod, you are loving your child. And I believe Hebrews chapter 12 reaffirms that to us as well. Speaking of the Lord and how he works with us in our lives, there's also applications for us as fathers and mothers. Starting in verse 5, it says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Discipline. Think of a spanking maybe. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye Bastards and not sons. <clears throat> Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. <clears throat> Shall we not much rather be in the subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Appealing that we would be in subjection to our Heavenly Father. For verily they, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure. We could say, as it seemed good to them or appropriate, as the Lord gave them wisdom, and as they thought best, they chastened us. But he, for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. I'm wondering if, if any of the children are still awake. I'm just wondering, how many of you like spanking time? Is there any child here that really likes spanking time? See some heads shaking no. I think you're not unusual. I I didn't like it either, but I did get spanked when I was little. And uh, it says here that chasing for the present, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. It's it's not very fun. It's just it's just not fun. It's just not fun to get spanked. <clears throat> it's grievous. It says. But you know what? This is what we're looking for, children. It says, nevertheless, afterward. We're looking for something afterward. After the spanking's over. It says, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. We're looking for good fruit. And that is the goal. and I mentioned that I was spanked when I was little, I'm thankful for that today. I'm thankful because it was a help to me. I'm not sure if I would be a Christian today if I wouldn't have had that. A father disciplines his children your fathers, where are they? Even young men here can aspire to the heart of a father. I'm assuming there's some young men here that are involved in the, uh, in the uh, children's ministry, perhaps teaching other um, young ones. And perhaps many of you have younger siblings that you can... Uh, Influence and point to Christ, you can aspire to the heart of a father as well by being a godly example. Young women, as well, to the heart of a mother. Now, here for this uh, last section, here for all of us, life is short. Will we be faithful? Will we embrace? the true faith of Jesus Christ, will we embrace that which our godly fathers and mothers have taught us? Will we turn Or will we turn away from it simply by not choosing to follow Christ? The seriousness of just turning away. There's another way also to be concerned about. I mentioned it earlier, and that is if we s- just slowly or gradually let conviction drift away, godly principles, just let them slide one by one, and that is a serious thing. We do not embrace the, uh, the faith that is given us, the true faith. True faith. Of the scriptures. Which direction are we moving? Recently we had a. uh, uh, A Wednesday night. Teaching. Brother Justin. Drew an arrow on the. On the uh, white board. Crosswise. And had a a point at either direction. Says which way are we moving? Toward. Toward Christ and uh, toward the principles of God's Word or toward the world, toward um, that which pleases the flesh. Good healthy challenge. Which way are we moving? It's hard to stay at the same place. Looking at some verses with the idea of holding on, holding fast. Back to uh, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, first of all, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, short verse here, but it says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. So we need to test things, we need to check, is it, is it right, is it good? And then we need to hold on, we need to hold fast, hang on to those things which are good. You could think especially in light of the the, the uh, message, the fathers where are they, and the prophets do they live forever? those good things that have been given us by our fathers, our spiritual fathers and our and our uh, natural fathers, how quickly do we just throw them away, prove all things, hold fast that which is good then we have Another one here in 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 15. Apostle Paul says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Hold fast that which is good. Here he says, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught. Thankfully, we have those things here recorded for us where it says our epistle. I believe he was referring to the scriptures here. The epistles of the Paul the Apostle. But then he also mentions by word. Would be interesting to have some of those sermons that aren't recorded for us by the Apostle Paul, wouldn't it? Stand fast and hold the traditions which he have been taught. And I believe to a certain extent we can apply this verse also to those things of godliness that have been given us by our fathers and the, the, the faith that has been passed on to us. <clears throat> Hold fast, stand fast, and hold the traditions which ye have been taught. All right, now we'll go on to Hebrews chapter 3. A few more verses on holding fast. Standing fast, holding fast. And verse 6. Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. <clears throat> Here I think of not just holding fast to the th- the uh the teachings, the the uh principles, the outer things, but the inner. The very core of our faith, the very uh, the very faith that we have in Christ, the confidence, the confidence we have in Him. Do we have confidence this morning? The rejoicing, rejoicing of hope that's in Christ, firm unto the end. I trust we have that as believers, holding fast the profession of our faith in Christ. Confidence and rejoicing of hope. Chapter 4, verse 14. <clears throat> Here's another one. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, the profession of our faith in Christ. Let us hold fast to that profession. So if we started out as a Christian, that's good, but we need to keep on. We need to hold fast to it. It goes on to say that we have a high priest to help us with that. Let's turn turn to chapter 10, verse 23. Holding fast. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. I think of the profession of our faith. Perhaps in this verse I would think of it even broader than just just being born again, but I think of the whole of our faith, everything that serving the Lord entails. Hold fast the profession of our faith. I'd also like to read a, a few more here to get a little context. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Good works need to be flowing unto out of our lives, it says here. We need to be encouraging one another. Provoke. Is it all right if I provoke anyone this morning? <laughs> That's, that's an interesting word. Stimulate, perhaps. <clears throat> Stimulate to love and good works. All right. Then uh, let's also turn to a few in Revelations here. You can stay awake with me just a little bit longer. Revelation's message to the churches, chapter 2 and chapter 3, 2, verse 25, is a message to Thyatira where he says, That which ye have already, hold fast till I come. Now I'd like to consider what did they have already? Well, back in verse 19, it talks about some of the things that they already had or have. It says, I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. But then he goes on to some things that he has against them that were in their midst. But then he brings them back later on in verse 25 and he says, "Those things that you already have. Hold fast to them. Their works, their charity, their service, their faith, their patience. And their works. And the last to be more than the first. So apparently they were growing. He says, hold on to that. Hold fast till I come. Till Jesus comes. Another one here in chapter 3. The uh, church in Sardis here at the beginning. He told him, I know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If thou therefore shalt not watch, I will come to thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know but are I come unto thee. So here he asks them to hold fast and to remember, and also to repent. <clears throat> now, I have a few more passages yet. In uh, in Ephesians five, I have one on the thought of redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Like we said earlier, life is short. Life needs to be redeemed. Think of uh, if you have a coupon to uh, have a discount off of a certain product, it's really not any value to you until you redeem it. That's a little how it is with time. It needs to be used wisely to be redeemed. Redeeming the time, it says, verse 15, See then that you work circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And one more verse in closing here in Romans chapter 13. And verse 11. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. This will be our closing verse where he says, And that knowing the time, that, it is, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I believe it's saying that we're closer, closer heaven now than when we first became a Christian. And especially for those of us that maybe have been a Christian a number of years, we're closer home now than ever before, and the, uh, the time is short, but God is, God is uh, calling us to faithfulness for all of us. It's been a blessing being here. I want to thank you for allowing me the privilege. We, uh, we're blessed by what we see here, the faith that we see exemplified, the faithfulness God bless you and keep on, keep on keeping on, <laughs> holding on, holding fast, keeping on, pressing on. And uh, I would like to just extend an open-door invitation that we, uh, we, are, we welcome visitors in Rome, Emmanuel Brotherhood Church there. we glad to see your faces. Also, glad to see a few from there this morning that I wasn't really expecting to see. So, <laughs> praise the Lord for that added blessing. God bless you all.